might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast, and here we are back again with another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. The boys take took a little break over the holidays, and uh, yeah, they uh, since well since I guess recording this, they've done Tulsa. But uh, I'm here on the phone via Skype with Danny Santana. We're talking about Metallica's first performance back after the break, which was the I Am the Highway Chris Cornell tribute concert. What is up, Danny? What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, Slightly somber in my neck of the woods. I had a, uh, unfortunately I had to put one of my dogs down yesterday. So uh, oh, no, that I was, that. was a, sorry about that. that was a big bummer. But um, you know what? And I highly recommend this to anybody that ever goes through that or has to one day go through that. Uh, do it. Have an in-home vet come to your house because it makes it so much easier. Because oh. <laughs> the yeah. last thing I wanted to do yesterday was drive home from the vet after that happened. Oh. Um, but it, it, it it's not even that much more expensive and it's it's so much more peaceful and amazing. So. Uh, yeah, and props to Laps of Love in Nashville for, or Lap of Love in Nashville for doing that for us. Um, that's that's my plug. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, we, you know, it was really funny. We we actually gave him like a, a crazy send off this week. We had a bunch of a bunch of friends stop by to see him that loved our dog. We fed him like hamburgers and steak and all this stuff, and pretty much all the stuff we would never like give to him when he, <laughs> during his normal life. Made him made him happy at the end. Absolutely, man. Well, um, on to uh, positive things here that aren't so da- such a downer about my uh, dog, my dog dying. But um, well, that was the theme of the night. I mean, if we're being honest, there you go. Yeah, it's a celebration of life, exactly. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, we're, tell everyone right right now uh, where exactly do you not your exact address? We don't want anyone <laughs> coming to your house or anything. But where 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 exactly do you live at? So I live in Los Angeles, the the east East Los Angeles area. Oh, nice so, in East LA. Nice. Yeah, from the, yeah. From the forum, I mean. Well, we can talk about the traffic getting there that day, but you know, it's a you know twenty thirty minutes on a good day. Okay, well that's cool. It makes it it makes it easier though to get to the forum. You know, a lot of times when we're talking to people, they've flown to shows, driven hours upon end to get there. Mm-hmm. So this was nice and convenient for you to attend the show. It was. Well, the only bad part about it was that it was right smack in the middle of the week on a Wednesday, so we had to make that trip after work. Which ah uh, is- yeah, good old L.A. traffic. And it rained, so it, it seemed that Chris Cornell brought some of that Seattle weather with him because it was raining. Ah, uh, yeah, hard. I saw that it's been raining all week in California, which always seems to happen after the fires happen. Yeah, it's never a good combo. I remember growing up out there and you know having school canceled because a, a fire was too close or too much ash, and they finally get it all contained, and then like two weeks later, there's like five days of rain, and then it's nothing but mudslides. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a good time. <clears throat> totally. Um, well, so let's talk about uh, before we get into like the, this in, insanely long set list, which is like what forty-two songs, almost five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, did you buy tickets for this immediately because Metallica was playing, or were you a big Soundgarden fan, or like all of the above? Um, all of the above. Um, I first saw it on Metallica's page when they posted it on Instagram. Um, but when uh, when he when Chris died, that was like it was a big deal to my wife and I because we grew up listening to Soundgarden, growing up listening to Audio Slave, yeah, and we were lucky enough to see Soundgarden a few years ago. Um, 
and just like the the lineup itself. But I think we would have bought tickets regardless of who was playing, just because we felt like we had to be there. Right. Yeah. That's cool, man. I mean, you know, as, as in my life and Clint's life, a lot of people's lives. I mean, Chris Cornell meant a lot to a lot of people in his music with all the projects he did: solo records, Soundgarden, Audio Slave. Um, you know. You guys, if you've heard our Chris Cornell tribute episode from last year, you know, it it, it was a somber episode. I mean, we, we love this guy's music, and I still do. I still get choked up when I hear Like a Stone by Audio Slave. Yep, um, so what a cool, special thing to attend, man. It, it, it had to have been so exciting to, when you were walking in the building. It really was. And then it, it felt, I mean, like leading up to it, I was kind of excited. And it was really weird because I was excited. My wife was kind of just more like, I don't know, she was almost bummed. Yeah. Yeah, cuz cuz you know it's it's hard to to kind of put emotions to it like am i happy that i'm going to see metallica and food fighters or then it kind of brings you back like we you know we're there because chris died and it's just like yeah. it gets really heavy you know well it's you know it's like it's almost kind of like going to the the wake after a funeral you know um mm -hmm. you know you're it's a tough thing to to walk into you know especially if it's if it's more recent when someone passed away but you know it's supposed to be a celebration of life when you when you go into those things you know and uh uh, like I had a friend that recently passed away a few months ago and he made sure to tell us all to have a party afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that's what they did with this, man. I think it was, I think yeah. this was like, uh, it was basically like a wake and a celebration of his life and a big party with uh, all, all sorts of artists that Chris loved. Yeah. And it definitely felt like that. There were parts throughout the night where it just felt like, okay, we're partying now and we're having a good time now. Yeah, right. And there were, there were also moments where, you know, he did get somber and, and, you know, really respectful and just you were kind of grieving at a point but sure it was it was a good mix i mean it was five hours so there was yeah man i mean what what i mean god what a what a long show i mean they, they could have had everybody come out and do two songs and made it you know two and a half hours and you probably still would have been happy with that yeah exactly but when i exactly. when i uh late that night on wednesday and the next morning i, I spent a good hour on instagram just looking up the I'm the highway hashtag and going through and watching footage. Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of stuff that really surprised me in, in a good way. Um, and we'll get into that as we, as we go through the set list and as well as get into some of these moments you're talking about where it was either like a party or it was very, you know, kind of sad and somber. Right. Um, and we'll go through all that stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, normally we, I kind of, you know, when we do these things, I kind of, you know, talk to people like, you know, you know, about their whole day leading up to the show you know, but it's a little different with this because this isn't like a Metallica show where there's like a pre-party mm -hmm. somewhere and you're meeting up with Met Club members and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I guess, you know, did did you meet up with anybody else at the show, you and your wife? No, no. Um, you know, we, we got off at work at five. Shows was scheduled to start at seven. So we knew we kind of there's no time to stop anywhere. Just we just had to. And it was raining. We knew the traffic was going to be bad. So we just right after work went straight to the show there didn't really even really hit anybody up about are you going to be there you're going to be there we just right. yeah we just went straight there yeah for sure man and i mean and obviously it being on a wednesday and after work i mean there was all, there was all sorts of little you know speed bumps along the way for you guys but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad you got there on time and made it and got to see the whole show um and I, at first i was thinking like that's so weird they had it in the middle of the week but i mean with this many artists especially any of these artists that are actually currently touring like Metallica, yeah. you know, I mean, Metallica has shows. They can't do the weekend, you know, um, so they probably had to settle for a mid midweek slot, obviously, with all all these different schedules. Yeah, and there were some big names, too, so you, it's definitely understandable. Yeah, and it was crazy to see, like, how many how many people were actually involved in some of this 
in some of these performances. I mean, I saw the main you know poster and it showed like the, the lineup that you thought was going to be there, but you know then you guys got <clears throat> guys like Josh Home and Adam Levine and all sorts of people. You're like, wait, wow! Like I didn't realize they were going to bring up so many other people and kind of yeah. reform bands in a way, you know. And it's like, oh, Temple of Dogs set, you know, we're going to have Eric Avery and Josh Freeze and William Duvall and stuff like that. So that thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome and definitely very surprising for for everybody in the building. Yeah, oh, for sure, man. Um, well, you want to go ahead and start kicking things off and with the Melvins and go through the, go through all. Yeah, yeah. So as we all got kind of got settled in to the seats, um, you know, the lights went black and the remaining members of Soundgarden came out. They did like a quick intro um, where they kind of just did some thank yous. Um, you know, to Vicky Cornell's wife and, and all the artists and, you know, all the fans that were there. Cool. And what I do remember about that is that as soon as they came out and we kind of all recognized, obviously you could recognize Kim from, uh, you know, the guitar player from a mile away. Of course. Yeah. Beard and his beanie. Um, but as soon as me and my wife noticed that that's who it was, we kind of looked at each other and that's when the first tears were shed. I remember that. Oh man. Um, yeah, because they had like the spotlight on them directly, and it was you know nobody else on stage, and it was kind of really sobering. Yeah, that's cool, I, and, and that's surprising to me because I, I didn't uh, I didn't see any of the uh, anything like that online yet. You know, I was just kind of watching performances, so all the little stuff in between performances I haven't even seen yet. You know, I do hope they release this on on Blu-ray or digitally or something. Yeah, that would be awesome to see. But yeah, it was it was um, I was out of nowhere because they just walked out on stage. Then the the you know spotlight came down and they just started talking. And then I was just like, whoa, that's cool, man. I'll bet that you know I bet that was really hard and also really you know therapeutic for those guys. You know, it it it's yeah. you know, it's been about a year and a half or so since Chris's passing. But you know, those guys were like brothers, and and to be able to come out in front of all their fans and you know kick the night off and address the crowd and and say a few things about Chris had to have been really cool, a special moment for them. Yeah, and first time back on stage, I would assume, since that happened. Yeah, I don't think they've done any kind of other tribute stuff for the three of them. You know, um, it's weird when, when you know when, when a singer dies in a band. You know, sometimes you know they go the route of replacing the singer and keep moving on. You know, and I always thought so, you know it'd be a cool thing if, an, especially in a situation like this where. I don't think sound, you know you're not going to replace Chris Cornell. Like I, I, it'd be weird if they got a new singer and and you know it doesn't always work for for bands. You know like Allison Chains did it well, Van Halen did it well. But like with this, I think it'd be cool if they did just like even if it's just a couple shows as Soundgarden with different singers as a tribute to Chris. You know. Yeah, yeah, that might that might be cool. And there were some names on here that did pretty well when. When putting their voice up to to Chris's voice, yeah, I, I man, some of the performances I saw, I was like, "Dang, okay, that that works," or "No, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't work." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, cool, man. Uh, so was there? Uh, and so Jimmy Kimmel hosted. Mm-hmm. So he was the one kind of introducing everybody. Yeah, he was for the most part. Sometimes the artists themselves would introduce the next artist. Um, Jimmy was good. He was a good host. He was really laid back. It didn't seem like you know he was up there like really. You know, like if he was like the host of the Grammys or something like that, it didn't feel like that at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was pretty casual. He's, you know, some jokes here and there, jokes about the rain, about the traffic, of course. Um, but it was good. He was fun. That's good. That's good. Um, well, do you want to, uh, and, and for everyone listening, you know, this is a 42 song set. We're not going to go in depth on every single song because we'd be here forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but we're going to kind of point out some highlights. Danny's got some notes on certain songs. Uh, there were highlights for him, uh, that he'll interject in. So you guys can kind of get a good idea of what this night was like. So 
Let's jump into the Melvin set. I'm just going to read off the songs here, and if there's anything notable, you let me know. Um, they do uh, Kicking Machine, uh, With Your Heart, Not not Your Hands, Leech, uh, Heart of Honey, and Spoon Man. So Spoon Man, of course, was the one where everybody like perked up, and that was like their first taste of Chris's music right? Uh, by another artist. You know, that's, that's when we all were like, whoa. You yeah, know, it, it was a cool. It was, that was a cool moment. They didn't. He didn't play the chorus. They just did um, a lot of the the, the verses. They didn't play the uh, chorus. Back to back. They didn't go into the chorus at all. No. Really? That's so. Yeah. Weird. Wait, how it was, was just you know the the intro riff. Yeah. And then they did like the first line, but they just kept doing like line after line after line, and never got to the chorus. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Which is weird, yeah, because we're all waiting for the spoon, man. And nothing. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it's one of those things, I mean, those guys aren't aren't dummies. Like, if, if the chorus is too high for Buzz to sing, then just lower the key, you know? Yeah. That's um, what I think is happening. That's so weird. I don't know. That's, uh, that is that is a weird decision to make as a band going into a tribute concert, especially when you're playing one of their biggest songs. Yeah, and one of their most recognizable you know, choruses. And yeah, part. exactly, man. That's wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> uh, overall though, did you feel like the Melvins like did a good job and, and, and what they played, they played, played well and tight. Yeah, they were good. They were, they were rocking. I mean, I had never heard of any of their music, but they were good. The crowd was happy to get the show started and looked like everybody was having a good time. So yeah, they were yeah, good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, they've been, they've been around, I mean, I think since the late eighties, you know, they're kind of a staple in the, the grunge sound and stuff like that, you know, and I'm obviously friends with Chris over the years and Nirvana and all those bands. Um, so it's, it's no wonder that they were on the show. Um, and then we, uh, to me, we get to our first kind of like, Whoa, that's interesting. Uh, surprise, which is a uh, Rita Wilson. Yeah. And right before that they played uh, on the video screens, they played, um, kind of recorded messages from other celebrities. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Kind of saying that they were going to keep Chris's promise through his charity and so they had a bunch of celebrities, uh, like Josh Brolin, Christian Bale, Snoop Dogg. Um, they were all kind of saying, you know, we're going to keep the promise to Chris Cornell. And uh, Ozzy had a recorded thing, which got like the greatest oh, cool. the cheers um, from the crowd. And then the last person was Tom Hanks, um, which is, I think, is Rita Wilson's husband, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he was the last one on that video tribute. And then I don't remember who introduced her. Um but yeah, she came out and did the promise, which she did really well. That's crazy. I, I didn't actually know she was a singer. Yeah, I didn't either. That's pretty cool. Um, wow, that's really surprising. Actually, you know, I, when I saw the set list and saw her on there, I was like, "Huh." I didn't know. She, <laughs> I was like, "This is very interesting." <laughs> um, but very cool. That's very cool. And she, so she did a good job on the promise. Yeah, she did a real good job. It sounded that, really good. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a great song. And for those listening who have never dove into Chris Cornell's solo work, it, it's amazing. They're, his solo records are fantastic. Um, his very last one uh, that he made was was awesome, called Higher Truth. I really recommend any, anybody listening to, to pick that one up or listen to it on Spotify or something. Um, uh, so moving into Nika Costa and uh, is it? Do you know if it's pronounced Alan or Elaine Johan- uh, Johannes? I think it was Elaine. Okay, from what I remember. Um, so, did uh, Kim will come back out, or so? How are they transitioning at this point? Um, you, you know, I don't remember over the course of the five hours. Sure. Um, yeah. It was either uh, it was either Jimmy Kimmel, or like I said, it was the the artist themselves introducing the next person. Right. Okay. So, so for this particular one, I don't remember who 
introduce them. Yeah, okay. All right, no worries. Um, so Nika Costa and uh, Elaine uh, Johannes, uh, how, how, how were they on Disappearing One? Um, they were good. <laughs> but? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I mean, it just, what happened throughout the night, too, is that since the every artist is different, their kind of take on the songs were different. Sure, yeah. And so sometimes it was, or oftentimes I should say, it was kind of hard to figure out what they were playing. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so like they, so, they altered the song enough where it was you weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, I, and we'll get to it later, but I saw like, you know, when Ryan Adams had fell on Black Days, it didn't really sound like the Mm-mm. Soundgarden version at first until you heard certain words. But, um, and that's, you know, that's, and that's, as an artist, that's fun to do. I mean, that's kind of what me and Clint did on our, our cover EPs, you know. Um, right. But uh, okay, so if well, if she, either way, if she sounded good, I mean, Nick Acosta is a great singer, so I'm sure whatever version they did, I haven't watched that video yet. Uh, I'm sure they did a great job at it. Um, yeah. One, the next one to me was it was like I don't know if he was friends with with Cornell or just maybe Cornell was a fan of his or whatever. But uh, Chris Stapleton doing the keeper, Chris Stapleton has an amazing voice. Yeah, and that's what I have written on my notes. Actually, as we all know, an amazing voice, and he was killer that night did he now i haven't watched this video either uh, did he come out solo or with a with a band no he came out by himself just him and a guitar and the mic so oh, that's that's awesome that's so awesome yeah he's got a fantastic voice and he's one of the nicest dudes i've met in in music uh when i was with doing stuff with kings of leon we got to do a thing with him on new year's eve where the band and him did a leonard skinnerd cover and he came to this band studio to rehearse it and i mean nice as can be just like a good he's just like a good old boy <laughs> Yeah, it's a good dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And then, right, I mean, I didn't think we were going to get into the Foo Fighters so quick in the in the night, um, but obviously, you know, they 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 got a few more songs. You know, obviously, the Dave Grohl connection. You know, they've been friends probably since the early '90s, um, with you know both being in the Seattle area for so long. Uh, their set was fucking cool. I mean, I watched I watched a few videos of this one. Um, you got some thoughts or notes on on their. Uh, their uh, four song set here yeah what i remember about that as soon as they were announced that was the first time that the whole crowd stood up like okay we're ready to party and we're ready to rock now um after because the other ones you know they were kind of more acoustic except obviously for the melvins but yeah for disappearing one and the keeper it was real real mellow real acoustic only type of thing so when they announced you know the foo fighters that's when everybody got up was starting to cheer um i wasn't familiar i'm gonna be honest i wasn't familiar with the the first three songs that they played. Yeah. Um, well, some stuff I know it was, you know, people were doing stuff from early Metallica records, you know, um, uh, I'm sorry, Metallica records. It is <laughs> early Soundgarden records, like ultra mega. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That wow. Was that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Foo Fighters are going to now going to do ride the lightning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm actually going to look it up right now just to see, uh, specifically, um, what is uh okay so no attention is a soundgarden cover girl you want is a devo cover earache my eye is a cheech and chong cover <laughs> yeah i don't know what's going on there yeah i mean uh, maybe I, some, who knows i mean maybe it was a huge uh, devo fan or something um yeah or a, a big cheech and chong fan apparently <laughs> um but that's cool yeah then i saw that you know dave grohl by himself at the end played everlong you know and said i want to play one more song for chris and i thought that was really touching yeah, that was another tear jerker moment because I always obviously that song's so recognizable, and just for him to dedicate it directly to him in that setting, 
was pretty heavy. Yeah, and I'll bet, was, man. And it was really good. And then you can definitely hear parts. I don't know if you've seen the performance where Dave was a little choked up while trying to get through it. Yep, totally, man. Yeah, I mean, those guys, you know, like I said, they've probably been friends for, you know, almost 30 years. And so just to be out there by yourself with a guitar playing a song that, you know, is a very touching song, you know, it's uh, just the words of that song, you know, if everything can be, be this real forever, you know, things like that, you know, I can imagine in that setting, especially him and the crowd singing along together, how to have been mm-hmm. very emotional for him. Yeah. And it was emotional for us too. I mean, I for sure had tears running down my face during that song. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so I, I didn't know Josh home home or homie. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with homie. I, I, yeah. I, I'd like to go with homie. Um, I, this was another surprise. I know he was supposed to play, and he comes out and not only plays Rusty Cage, but he plays Johnny Cash's version of it. Yeah, and it was just him and the guitar. Yeah, which was real cool. So, um, wasn't there some sort of uh intro played before him? Um, I thought no, there was something just... where where it was like audio of Johnny Cash or something talking about, or maybe audio of Chris talking about it. What? What it was, now that I remember it, it was his, uh, and I don't remember his name. It's Johnny Cash's son, though. Oh, his name's John Cash, yeah. John. Okay, so he came out, actually, and was talking a little bit about his dad and how his dad covered it. And then he introduced Josh Homie and, you know, and said, you know, he's going to take do his own take on my dad's cover of yeah. the sound. Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what that intro was. And oh, then that's he came, cool. Yeah. Josh came out, and he, he, he really did good. I think from what i remember is there's also a black song smashed in the middle of rusty cage oh cool um and they don't remember which one it was actually yeah that's cool though man i mean you know just to come out and by yourself and and do you know obviously you're doing a Soundgarden song but you're doing a bit of a take on the johnny cash version because and if you guys haven't heard the johnny cash version it's so cool it's from the um camera which it was one of the american releases that that, uh, johnny cash did with all the rick rubin stuff and uh, he did a fantastic cover of it, but um, I think I saw online that it said uh, John, John Johnny Cash was talking about, or John Cash was talking about something in regards to Chris Cornell when he got a phone call from Johnny Cash and, and didn't want to answer the phone or something because he's like, w- <laughs> like, what would you say if God called you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, totally. Um, I, 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 another surprise here: uh, Adam Levine, Jesse Carmichael, and then Stone Gossard, of course, who was you know in, with uh, Temple of the Dog with Chris. Um, so they came out and did Seasons. Uh, Adam Levine was another surprise. It was another surprise, but it was amazing. Like that was one of the ones where you're like, okay, like he can he can do this song. I mean, that's not one of the ones where you know Chris is screaming at the top of his lungs or anything, but that one he he nailed it pretty good. That was a really good performance of that song. You know, a lot of people give uh, that guy and, and Rune Five a lot of crap, you know, because I mean, they're they're kind of just a pop band at this point. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he's a really talented musician, great guitar player, really good singer. All those dudes in that band are great musicians. Um, so I'm sure if anyone in the audience was like, oh, cool, the guy from The Voice and Maroon 5 is coming out yeah. and he, I'm sure he proved everybody wrong who maybe been doubters. No, for sure. He killed it. That's cool, man. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um and uh, so, before I saw the full set list, I saw that my I saw a video of Miley Cyrus doing "Say Hello to Heaven," and I was like, "Holy shit!" Mm-hmm. She, I knew mm-hmm. she was a good singer. It's sometimes it's tough with pop stars to like remember their talent when they're you know when their lives are so crazy and chaotic and stuff like that. Um, 
but she's got a hell of a voice. So she comes out next and does two drink minimum. Um, do you remember how this one was? Yeah, I do also kind of remember the vibe was a little weird because I think it was Jimmy Kimmel that introduced her. And, you know, when he said Miley Cyrus, it was kind of like a, it almost felt like a mixture of, huh? And like <laughs> some cheers. And it, you know, nobody really knew what to expect. Right. Um, yeah. And then she came out in a sparkly, for this song, she came out in a sparkly blue dress and looking all pop star. And um, she did good. I mean, like you said, she's a great singer. Um, yeah. This is a song, too, that I hadn't heard beforehand. Right. So it was. I was just taking in the performance, and she did really good. She sang really well. I thought when she was done, the crowd gave her like, gave her some props for for coming out and singing again. And then that one, I think she did it only by herself, and she had a guitar player, an acoustic guitar player, with her. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, well, yeah. Um, so here, what's weird is on on when I print out the set list on my notes, it says two drink minimum, but. I'm also kind of looking at setlist.fm uh, just to kind of clarify some things. Um, mm-hmm. On setlist, it says the song is called As Hope As Hope and Promise Fade. So I, I wonder if it was uh, maybe a, uh, a typo on the uh, website that I was consulting for this. Yeah, yeah, because I have two drink minimum on mine too. So, But again, I, had, I hadn't heard the song when I heard the, the actual performance. I didn't know what song it was. So yeah. I wouldn't be able to. Either totally. way, that's so strange. Anyways, well, some someone somewhere on a couple sites is wrong because I mean I think I was on like a I mean it wasn't like some crappy website. It was definitely like you know something that is newsworthy and trustworthy. But uh, that's right. that's okay. Um, okay, so then we get into an exciting set from Audio Slave, who you know have one of the longer sets of any band. And I thought I was I know that they bring up a bunch of different uh, singers and bass players and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, I thought it was interesting that uh, that Timmy C wasn't there playing bass. I also thought it was interesting too, and I remember the lead up to it, or it might have been the same, the day of or the day before. I did see like the Audio Slave members' names like listed popping up on websites, like these are who are going to perform. Then yeah, his name wasn't there, and I thought, well, that's weird. Why isn't? Yeah, he, I mean, he I was in, he was in the band with Chris. Like it's so strange. I don't know if it was something. Maybe he was like, I, I just don't want to do it too heavy or maybe I, I who knows man i haven't you know mm-hmm. i haven't heard anything as to why isn't there but however we do get a lot of really cool uh cool guests it's right off the bat when they do coaches i mean geezer butler i mean geez yeah. black sabbath i mean with perry farrell uh, how did perry farrell sound um he, he he did he did all right um there were some some places where you felt like his voice wasn't going to get there and it didn't get there especially for that song that song's really, really high up there. Yeah, and he's got a high voice too. But I mean, Chris could do some stuff that <laughs> most people can't. Yeah, and it it sounded like a little thin. I guess is the the word I would use yeah, to describe. That's kind of his tone his of voice. voice too. It was mm-hmm. with Jane's Addiction and, and stuff like that. But uh, again, you know, and, and part of a very integral band of the, of the '90s. You know, Jane's Addiction. I'm sure that then him and Chris were friends. You know, um, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if anybody on this list didn't know Chris in some way, which is why they're all there. Um, but yeah, I mean, so they we'll kind of run through them, and, and then you let me know. I'll read them all off. You let me know if you have any notes on any of these. So yeah, Coachies mm-hmm. with, with Geezer Butler and Perry Farrell, uh, Be Yourself with Geezer Butler again on bass, and Juliet Lewis on vocals. Um, set it off with Chris Cheney, who's also from Jane's Addiction. Sam Harris, Tim, uh, Mc, I don't know how to say this. Oh, that's Tim from oh. uh, Rise Against. 
Yes. Okay. So let me go over that one. Okay. So set it off. Yeah. With the, it was a singer from, um, from Rise Against and the singer from X Ambassadors. Oh, Sam Harris. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, they did great and they were full of energy and yelling. And that's, that was one of the highlights of the night that I remember. It's just that song. Cool. Cause, um, you know, if that, that chorus is, is the one that says, uh, set this fucker off. Yeah. Yeah, everybody in unison, you know, with their middle fingers. That it felt like a rock show. Yeah, right there. man. That was the celebration right there. That's awesome, and, man. Yeah, and they killed because they were going off. I think it was um, Tim was doing like the. He was doing the the, ver- verses. the verses, and then he, yeah. Sam do the choruses, right? Yeah, because Sam's got a yeah. pretty high voice. Right, and so it worked really well for them to be trading off like that, and then, you know, you know, screaming the the choruses together. That was a really cool moment. That's awesome, man. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and the next song, Like a Stone, obviously one of the best things Chris has ever written with Audio Slave, and or really ever. Um, Chris Chaney still on bass, and then Brandy Carlisle on vocals. Now, I watched this one, and I thought she killed it. She did, and in the building, that is probably the point where I cried the most was during this song. Mm. Because, you know, it, just the subject matter and the lyrics of that song the age I was when that song came out, I think I was in middle school. Right. I want to say. And so that album I played on repeat and, you know, whenever it is that, that, that it came out. And I think it was early two. that it was like 2000. Cause I bought it when I first moved to Nashville. So if I wouldn't I think it was Oh two or Oh three when it came out. Yeah. Something like that. And, and it's so, such a killer record too. It is. It is. And since, so that during that song and yeah, Brandy did a great job. And that's they also let the crowd sing for a couple, yeah. a couple of choruses towards the end, and yeah, that got real, real emotional. Oh, I'm, that. I'm sure there wasn't a dry eye in the house when they're doing that song. I mean, that was, you know, I remember when when Chris passed away, and uh, I mean, that was one of the first songs I put on, and I was just in tears in, in a hotel room in Virginia, <laughs> like, you know, between that and like, um, Black Hole Sun or uh, Fell on Black Days, you know, I mean it. It, he wrote some amazing melodies and lyrics. It's it's no, he's he's one of the greats, man. Yeah, and then that song I do remember that Tom Morello actually did a like a little intro. He had some really nice words to say about Chris before this song. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah, and then he said, you know, so let's all do this little prayer for Chris, and then they went into this song. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. Yeah. Man, I'm getting chills. Jeez. Yeah, it I, was really. Cool. I, I really hope they release this, man. I I, I mean, it was obviously filmed because they have screens there and all, all sorts of cameras, mm-hmm. so. I hope that they they put something out with this because I mean I think a lot of people need to see it. Um, so then, uh, like a, oh sorry, we said like a stone. Uh, show me how to live with with old Trujillo on bass, and then yeah. Dave Grohl. I watched this one too, and Dave Grohl fucking was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was our first little Metallica taste there when they they introduced him. Um, yeah, Dave Grohl like really went for it. I think even after my wife and I were talking about it, I'm like. Damn, I hope his voice is okay for any Foo Fighter related projects coming up because he really like left it all out there. Yeah, I mean he's he's been a, a good screamer for a long time. I mean, I'm and I'm sure he knows how to scream and not thrash his vocal cords. But I mean, I was watching it and I was like, I think that's at the very very top of his range. Like he was straining probably, but he sounded great. Oh yeah, it sounded great. It sounded real good. That's awesome, man. Um, and again, if anybody knows the answer to this mystery question, where was Timmy C on bass? But it's all it's all good. We got some cool bass players in there. Yeah, um, I mean Geezer Butler and and Old Trujillo. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and then this here, man, I watched this next one, and to me, 
this was one of the most touching moments of the night. We have with Tony Cornell, which is Chris's 14-year-old daughter, with Ziggy Marley doing Redemption Song. Mm-hmm. Was there any kind of intro for this? or? From what I remember, there was not. I think they just introduced it as, as you know, as such. There's Tony Cornell and Ziggy Marley, and that was surprising because nobody knew what was gonna, what they were gonna sing. And she, you know, she, it was just him, the guitar, and her, and the mic. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I thought she did great, man. I watched a video of that one too, and it was just so, again, another very touching moment. Yeah, it was really cool. <clears throat> And then things turn because then the boys in, as we hate saying, Talica. <laughs> the Talica uh, boys. Um, I don't hate saying it. It's just, I just don't ever call them that. Uh, Metallica hits the stage. And I notice they do what, what's called a, in the biz a turntable stage. <clears throat> yeah. So if any, if anyone's seen this live or, or a DVD of a concert or whatever, it's like a lot, it happens a lot at festivals or radio shows. Um, Stuff like that where there's a band, while there's a band playing, there's like screens or whatever behind them or a backdrop. On the other side of that, the next band is setting up, getting ready to go and doing like basically a silent line check where you're just making sure all the lines are working properly and stuff like that. So the second band that's playing is done, that thing rotates around 180 degrees and all of a sudden, you know, here's the next band. So it makes set uh, set change lengths almost non-existent. It's literally like... 20 seconds for it to turn around the next band's plan yeah and the thing about that is that you could kind of tell who was gonna well you definitely knew when metallica was gonna play because they would rotate the stage and then they would bring out one of the artists that was gonna go up and just sing and play guitar or something so they didn't have like a big old setup yeah so the stage turned and you saw the the metallic those white amps they had those white amps on stage with the with the, the black uh, okay so did, yeah so, so did ziggy marley and, and tony cornell play in front of metallica's gear basically yeah. Ah, so you, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, so it turned, and then we were like, oh, Metallica's next. And then, yeah. like, you know, Ziggy Marley and Tony Cornell came out and did their, theirs. That's cool. And then, yeah, so what I remember, too, is after they got off the stage, you started to hear someone sing Spoonman, like, really high. Yeah. But you were like, well, well, that's not Chris, but who is that? Yeah. And then it ended up being Jack Black. Yeah, I saw he came out and uh, had... <laughs> he started doing one <laughs> yeah uh, he, he had some fun with it because it looked like he was ready but either the boys weren't ready or something there was an issue because he kept like looking back on stage he's like all right were we ready to go yeah and then he's like no no okay um how about that rain huh and like he was just trying to do something <laughs> to, to kill some time that's cool yeah i saw he started he started uh singing one and then james started playing it with him <laughs> Yeah, James walked out on stage and started doing the the machine gun part with them by himself, and they yeah. started doing it. so. That was fun. That's and awesome. It was really light too. After being kind of on an emotional roller coaster their past couple songs. Yeah, uh, yeah, it got kind of light and fun again. That's awesome, man. Um, so Metallica does "All Your Lies" by Soundgarden, which is off of Ultra Mega OK. They end up doing two of their songs from the Bell Tolls, "Master of Puppets," and then they do "Head Injury" by Soundgarden, also off of Ultra Mega OK. So, so let's talk about the Metallica set. Yeah, and then I mean I have I'm pretty sure I've gone through all of Soundgarden's catalog, but these were the two songs too that I thought I'm like, what? What is this? Um, but they oh, and then the interesting part about that first one, "All Your Lies," is you know Lars did a you know the the count in yeah on the hi hat, and then they started to play it, and then James stopped. It was like one of those things where the tempo was wrong or something. <laughs> Saw that so yeah. They, yeah, they had to completely stop, and you know, James like, is that the right tempo? And 
and you know he made a joke about like it's all right we're professionals maybe or something like that <laughs> you so, know that kind of you know some some bands get slack for that you know but i mean that's just a part of being a live band man if you're if you're the real deal and you're playing your instruments you know that's going to happen from time to time you know especially when you're not playing to a click live or tracks or anything yeah and it's real cool that they're like that too they're kind of self-deprecating and they're always just like well let's just start it again this happens sometimes yeah exactly man that's yeah co- that's cool um yeah, and uh, for those listening who haven't dipped into like maybe Soundgarden's catalog before their big records, um, Ultra Mega OK is rad. I mean, it's 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 a borderline metal record, you know. Mm-hmm. It's some yeah. great stuff on, on. I mean, all of Soundgarden's records are great. Even the one they, they, when they got back together and made um, is so good. Yeah, and the the performance was good. Um... I, I'm always kind of worried when he, to be honest, when Metallica does non-Metallica songs that aren't like the staple covers that they usually do. Like the, you know, when they do their, when like Kirk and, and Rob do their doodles together. Right. Cause it's a, sometimes it's, it's a slippery slope with what they play. Um, <laughs> it is. But I thought they did pretty well on that first one. Yeah. Um, everything seemed pretty good. Every they, It felt like they rehearsed a bunch cause it was, it was pretty tight. That's awesome. Very cool. So then they get, <clears throat> excuse me. Wow. Apparently I'm going through puberty again. My voice is cracking. <laughs> Uh, and that's the next song I'm going to do is um, <laughs> Room the Bell Tolls. Uh, <laughs> so was it so was it surprising that they played two of their own songs? It felt surprising in the moment for sure. Yeah. I mean, Soundgarden's got some heavy stuff. So we thought, well, maybe, you know, Metallica could, I don't know, outshine or something like that, something really heavy. And so when um, we heard For Whom the Bell Tolls, I was like, whoa, okay, so they're going to do some of their stuff too so it, yeah. it was definitely surprising did the crowd seem into it when they were going into bells and puppets yeah because there was they were singing along they were doing the chorus for for bells and they were singing to you know master puppets and and james let the crowd sing um for some of the the you know for, obviously for the master parts for that chorus oh he let the crowd sing and everybody was into it and fist pumping and all that that's cool so i think yeah i think it went over well yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, I I don't know what the situation was or the decision process into why they did that and not just do four covers. It might have been a time thing too. Like, hey, we don't have the time to to learn four covers. How about we do two two of our songs? Um, who knows? You know, I mean, you know, Dave Grohl did Everlong, so you know, it, it wasn't off the <laughs> table to do one of your own songs. But um, and same with the Melvins. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Um, either way, if the crowd was stoked on it, or you know, who knows? Maybe. You know, at one point they talked to Vicky, Chris's wife, and maybe she said, you know, these are two of his favorite songs or two of his favorite records. You know, could you guys do those or something? Yeah, and I know James did make a comment, like, right, you know, when they went on, like, are you guys ready to have some fun? So I think maybe it was kind of more to just, like, let's let's really celebrate and let's really have fun right now. Right, yeah. Yeah, maybe so. That's cool. Uh, I mean... I mean, I wouldn't complain that <laughs> they played from the Bell Tolls no. and Master of Puppets, but no. um, but then they play Head Injury, which is a great uh, 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 sorry Soundgarden tune off Ultra Mega OK, and they also played it uh, the other night in Tulsa as well. I did, and I was I haven't looked for the video of that, but that might have been interesting to see if they would have said anything before that before yeah. they played it. So. I, I watched a quick clip right before we got on Skype here, but I, I didn't I didn't watch like one that with the intro or anything. But um, mm-hmm. but they did. I thought they did a really good job with the song. It's a it's a really fun fun tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did really good on that one too. And I remember before they played this one, um, James. After they played Master Puppets, James said, "Well, that's not a Soundgarden song, <laughs> but this next one is." And then they started playing. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Well, then we get into Ryan Adams. Uh, Clint's a big Ryan Adams fan. I think I think he's cool. I just never really gotten into him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and he came out with just I think was acoustic, a upright bass player, and some strings. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So how did you uh, how did you feel about his set? Because he did he did Dead Wishes, which is a Chris Cornell song, and then Fell in Black Days, which is obviously Soundgarden tune mm-hmm. off of. Um, Wow, I'm, well, I just went fully blank on my favorite Soundgarden record. <laughs> uh, oh, dang. Why do I not know the, the name of that album, too? I'm, I, this is shocking right now. Um, I Literally, like, I know that record like the back of my hand, and I'm <laughs> full-on <laughs> full on brain fart moment. Um, Here's where, where hundreds of, or, well, I don't know, maybe thousands of people now at this point are screaming at the, Oh, everyone right now is listening to this, phones, this right? episode like, Ethan, are you serious? You don't know that song? Or that album title? Um, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's super unknown. Is super unknown. My God, what is my problem? It is funny doing this podcast and like when we do get little facts wrong here and there. It's like there's so mm-hmm. much information going in and out of my brain while we're doing this, mm-hmm. especially these where I'm like we're talking about all these other songs and other artists and records and stuff like that. Um, God, yeah, super unknown. That's an incredible record and my, my favorite Soundgarden record, but. Uh, um, and that record still holds up to this day. If you listen to it, that sounds still sound. It, yeah. That came out today. It would sound relevant to me. Um, yeah. But so, uh, do, do you listen to Ryan Adams at all? No, I don't at all. Um, and I thought, or actually, bef- was it the day before? Two days before, um, I was on Instagram and somehow made it to his page, and he was actually doing a an IG live of oh. he was re- rehearsing. Oh, okay. So. So before before the actual show, we all kind of knew what songs he was going to to um, do. Oh, that's cool. Um, so Dead Wishes sounded good, um, but what he did fell on Black Days. He used every bit of his artistic license to change up the melody on Fell on Black Days. Yeah, and when you have that song like ingrained in you so much, and you know exactly how Chris sings it and how the vocal melodies is, it was a little weird to hear it the way he did it. Right, yeah. But it's cool that he, he, he you know, put his own spin on it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't a bad performance. It was just different. Of course, yeah. No, no, I mean, he's a great, he's a great musician, great singer. Um, and again, you know, like me and Clint did on our, on our cover piece, it's, it's, it's fun for us as artists to, to put our own influence on an already existing song. Um it's just a fun challenge, you know, even if the, even if the melody's kind of the same or I just, I have a blast doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it, it was good though. Awesome. Uh, well moving on to like probably what's I'm assuming becoming the most like anticipated part of the show. We got temple, the dog set. Um, mm-hmm. and this is one where I was really surprised that Eddie Vedder wasn't there. Yeah, we were all feeling that same way too. I'm just, you know, uh-huh. it's like whatever is, uh, reasons are. I'm sure it's all uh, it's all personal to him, but like, yeah. it just seems weird, especially you know when you had a song that you duetted on, you know, together, um, and it was such a huge song back in the '90s, uh, you know, and they were had been friends forever. I was just really surprised that Eddie Vedder wasn't there. Yeah, we were all kind of, ex- I don't know if we were expecting it, but we all kind of thought like. You know, after after Chris did pass, he didn't really say much in his performance. I, I remember there was a performance that he did where he was kind of he was kind of alluding to Chris. He didn't necessarily say it out loud. Right. So at least the feelings that me and my wife got was always just like, well, that's way just way too hard for him to confront. It might be, you know, because I mean, so I was at the show in London, uh, Eddie Vedder solo show, where he officially talked about Chris's passing for the first time. 
Oh, cool. And it was really heavy, and you could tell it was hard for him to. to he wasn't even looking at the crowd. He's kind of just looking down at the floor. And yeah. he, he talked about it for a good six or seven minutes, but uh, it was definitely heartfelt and definitely I could tell he was getting choked up. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's still heavily affected by this, you know? I mean, and he just, you know, maybe just respectfully declined. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been it, but I know we were all kind of missing that. Like, that that would have been real, real, real cool. Right, exactly. So was there any kind of intro for Temple the Dog? Um, for, I think Matt Cameron came out. I think they 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 announced it as Temple of the Dog, and and then you know Matt Cameron's the first one that came up, and he was from here on out, he was kind of the one that was introducing all the special guests. Okay, he would just say, you know, okay, well next up we got so and so and so and so, and then yeah, they would come out because he didn't play, he yeah. didn't play drums on most of this. Um, because you got like yeah. Josh, Josh Freeze in there, Matt Chamberlain, um, you know Brendan O'Brien. Well, I guess uh, he might have been drums there, but uh, yeah, it was just so interesting that um that uh. I guess he kind of just took it, took a seat to the side, and, and did he like introduce him and then walk off stage when Actually, they started the song? No, you know what? I got confused with that. So it's when he was with doing uh, when he was with Soundgarden that he was introducing everybody. Oh, okay, that's cool. For, yeah, for Temple of the Dog, I don't remember who it was. That was it was the guitar player. Oh my god, I'm blanking on his name though. For what? For Temple of the Dog, Stone Gossard. For Temple, Dog. yes, yeah, he was the one that was doing the same same deal though. He was just you know into his mic. Okay, well next up we've got so and so and so and so. Right. Okay. Come. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so they do. I'll run through it real quick, and you can tell me any notes you got here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And they are. Uh, Preaching into the world, uh, Can't Change Me with uh, Elaine Johannes, Eric Avery, Eric Avery uh, and Josh Freeze. Uh, Hunted Down with William Duvall and Jerry Cantrell and Josh Freeze. Uh, All Night Long with Fiona Apple, Brendan O'Brien, David Garza, and Matt Chamberlain. Reach Down with Miguel. That's interesting. <laughs> Nika Costa and Brendan O'Brien. Say Hello to Heaven with Miley Cyrus, Brendan O'Brien, Josh Freeze, and Hunger Strike with Brandon Carlisle, Chris Stapleton, and Brendan O'Brien. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, get into any of these. I mean, any any notable moments for you? Um, well, let me see. So it was cool to see Jerry Cantrell out there. When he got um, introed, he got a really big reaction from the crowd. It was fun to see him out there playing guitar with them. Um, so Reach Down with Miguel, as interesting as you said. Yeah was fantastic really okay yeah so he did not look like a hit you know r&b singer out there he was rocking out good man that's awesome yeah he was really hitting the notes he was yelling he was yeah it was a really really good performance of that song we me and my wife both looked at each other like whoa where's his rock project now yeah totally man was good maybe they who knows maybe this will spark one yeah it was That's really awesome, good. man. Well, I did see, um, I, like I mentioned before, uh, the video of Miley Cyrus doing Sail Out of Heaven, which I think is one mm-hmm. of the, the most beautiful songs of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, she she destroyed it in a, a, such a great way. She did. That was another one. Like, it was her and, and, and how I mentioned with Dave Grohl when they really went for it. Like, they left, you know, emotions, just their voice out on stage. Like, they, she just totally went after it. Yeah. And when they... Um, when they announced that she was going to do that one, I remember thinking, like, you know, she her vocal range, she has, like, a lower vocal range, too. I'm like, she can probably, you know, do this. But yeah, it, it was surprised me in such a, a good way how, how good it was. Yeah, well, Chris gets really high on that song, and, and I could tell she almost had to scream it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that, and that just goes to show that, you know, his vocal abilities were just amazing 
to the point where a female has to stretch their voice to hit Chris Cornell's vocals, you know? Right. Because a lot of times, you know, it's like, it makes sense. Like, even when they did the Nirvana thing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, it was all female singers. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, it's sometimes you just want to get something different up there and, and especially with Soundgarden having Chris having such a high voice, you know, it's like, let's just get females to do a lot of it, you know, like Brandon Carlisle and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. props to them, man. I thought this was a great performance. Um, this, the next one is one I haven't, haven't gone, uh, gone online and watched yet, but it was hunger strike with Brandon Carlisle, um, Chris Stapleton and Brendan O'Brien. Um, how was this one? This one was really good too. So from what I remember, Brandy was doing, um, Chris's parts and Chris Stapleton was doing Eddie Vedder's parts. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So and, it was a cool little trade off that we got anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, it was really good. It was a really good performance of that song yeah. too. That song too, well, along with you know, say hello to heaven. I think those two were two that kind of got me kind of a little more emotional too. Well, say hello to heaven, man. I mean, that's you know, that's a song about their friend's death. You know, um, mm-hmm. and so it's like to sing that song. For Chris, you know, in a memorial thing. I mean, that's just, I, I would have been in tears. Yeah, definitely was. <clears throat> that's cool, man. So, so you know, closing out the whole thing is obviously Soundgarden. Um, you got the three, the three dudes, you know, remaining members up there. Um, and so at this point, did did Matt Cameron come out? Or did they all walk out together? Or how did it go down? I'm trying to remember because, like we've mentioned a bunch of times, there was 42 songs in five hours. And at that point, we were already kind of pretty. I mean, when Soundgarden came out, it had to have been after eleven thirty, almost twelve. Yeah, for that. sure. Um, so I don't really remember how it happened. I do remember that the dudes came out and they flashed the big old the, the Soundgarden logo on the on the um, video board, so we know what was happening. Right. Um, and I think they just they may not have been an, an intro. I don't think there was an intro. They just went into Rusty Cage. I think. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, so yeah, just, just to, uh, let everyone know what, what they played and with, with who, and then Danny can give us some notes here. Uh, Rusty Cage with Taylor Momsen, uh, Flower with Marcus Durant, um, Outshine with Marcus Durant and Stone Gossard, uh, Drawing Flies with Taylor Momsen, Buzz Osborne, uh, Matt Demirit and Tracy, uh, how do you say, Wanamay? Wanamay, I think you said. Um, okay. Lo- Love Loud with Taylor Momsen, Tom Morello and Wayne Kramer. Uh, I Awake with Taylor Hawkins and Buzz Osborne, The Day I Tried to Live with Taylor Hawkins and Buzz Osborne again, and then finally wrapping it up, Black Hole Sun with Brandon Carlisle, Peter Peter Frampton, which is awesome. Peter um, Frampton. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Tim uh, Hans- Hanseroth, Hanseroth? Uh, and Phil Hanseroth, the they're brothers. Um, so, yeah, any notable moments uh, in this? Well, the you know, obviously it's the Soundgarden dudes there, so they, they crushed their, their songs. Rusty Cage was good. Um, Flower was one I wasn't too familiar with, but was good. Um, Outshined was really good. Everybody was singing for that part. That felt awesome. like another party atmosphere. Everybody was really into that one. Um, Drawing Flies was good too. They, I mean, they were all they were all good, but I think it just at the end of the day, it's just not Chris. Right. So, I mean, sure. When you're thinking, obviously, there were great performances, and they're all professionals, and it was great, but. When you at the end of the night, when you think about it, it's just like man, that he's not here anymore. Yeah, totally, man. And it's just like it's when you're thinking about just the music, it's just so not, not it's just so noticeable that he's not there. Right, of course, man. Yeah, I mean, 
even with the best singer up there, you know, it's still not Chris. It's not that signature voice mm-hmm. that everyone knows and loves, and, and no one sounds like him. And even if you had someone from a Soundgarden cover band, you know, it wouldn't be Chris. So um, there's no replacing him. Um, I'd imagine, too, oh, before I get into this, I was going to say, uh, I did watch um, The Day I Tried to Live with Taylor Hawkins, mm-hmm. and I thought he was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was he was definitely having a good time with it, and and like he he was going for it too. He was yelling, he was screaming. Yeah, he was fun to watch. Yeah, because that's not an easy song to sing on the uh, on the choruses. It's really high. Um, yeah, but he, he's got he, a good voice he, though. Yeah, and what I wanted to say is he 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 introed his, his well. This song is called "The Day I Try to Live," but uh, uh, today it's the day I try to sing because I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> well, I mean, gosh. That's the truth, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it, it'd be intimidating to cover anything Chris Cornell has written, you know. Um, he's such an amazing vocalist, so it's yeah, it'd be very intimidating. It's the best way to say it, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, but he did a good job. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so cl- closing out the night with Black Hole Sun, uh, this had to be, I would think, pretty emotional because it's like they're probably their biggest song. It's an amazing song. Um, the lyrics, you know especially when it says, you know, Black Sun, won't you come and wash away the rain? Like, um, man, it's just a great, how, how, how was the atmosphere during this song? It was good. And, and yeah, everybody, that was a song that everybody knew, of course, and everybody was singing along. Um, the intro, what, you know, that intro is kind of real trippy effect on the, on the intro. Yeah. It's, and, ki- it's kind of a, uh, I believe it's like a univibe. That's what, what, what it's called that effect. So what I first we first noticed is that I think both Kim and Peter Frampton were playing it together. Okay. And so it sounded like really like washed out almost. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. It, but kind of almost in a bad way. It didn't. It oh. just sounded like they. Were, it just didn't match up right. Sure. It sounded a little weird. But um, the 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 rest of the performance was great. I, Peter and and Kim were like trading off solos for for an extended part. In oh, the that's cool. Yeah. So they went back and forth a few times. Um, with the guitar solos. That's awesome. I wonder if Peter Frampton was like uh, maybe a big influence on Chris or something, or he maybe l- listened to him a lot back in the 70s and 80s or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, it was real good and fun. That's cool, man. I mean, what a great song to end on. I mean, I remember when he when he passed away, I was sitting in my hotel room after I was dry, done drying my face. Mm-hmm. I, I just had a day off from tour, and I remember just sitting there in my room just learning, you know, relearning Soundgarden songs, and this was one of them where I was like, man, I forgot to play that song, and I... I probably sat there for an hour and just played it over and over again. I'm like, man, what a cool thing to write, you know? It's such a yeah. amazing, amazing song, man. Yeah, so, and I know at, at the end of the performance, they they um they let the guitars like feedback for what it felt like half an hour. It was maybe like ten minutes or something, right? But Kim and then um, Ben Shepard were out there, and they were just like noodling around with the bass and the guitar and just feedbacks and effects. And it was, it almost felt like they were kind of paying respect to him at the end. Cause they also had, uh, one of Chris's guitars on stage. Yeah. His three thirty five, that signature one. Yeah. So they had the feedback and then they let his guitar just feedback yeah. while they walked off stage and just let it go for 10, 15 minutes. Oh, that's cool. Well, I did see a post on by Matt Cameron on Instagram today that, um, he still, th- that guitar was actually one that Chris gave Matt. Oh wow! And and then on the edge of the state of his drum riser was Chris's original cooler that he always it was something like, you know, two waters, two 
whatever's and two Gatorades, ice cold, and a little sticker on it that said that, or tape. And so for the show, uh, Matt Cameron had those out there exactly where Chris used to put them. Aww. So it was it was really cool. He said something about, you know, I, I had to have I had to have those in, in the same spot they always were, you know, and like thanks to everybody for, you know, getting me up there kind of thing. Um, it's really yeah. I thought that was really touching that he had those those pieces out there as, a, you know, to honor Chris and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been weird for those guys, too, man. After all those years of touring and playing together to just have someone else up there singing the songs yeah I mean, you know i imagine it was a mixed feelings of, of of you know kind of weird it's not chris but also you know you you know you're going into this uh, you know paying tribute yeah. to your brother you know mm-hmm. and they were probably honored that all these people are, are putting in the hard work to learn these songs and sing them well and um i thought that was awesome to me from all the footage i've watched i honestly think a, a highlight for me was it would be brandy carlisle yes I was thinking about that. Yeah, she did an amazing job on what she yeah, sang. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, well, yeah, that so that folks wraps up the uh, wraps up the set list there. Which that is insanely long, five hours at the forum. I mean, I, I can't think of a, a a better, more well put together tribute show to somebody than this one. I mean, no one's going to top that. Yeah, that must have been one hell of an undertaking too for for Vicky and whoever was involved in getting all these people together. Right. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I've, I've got a close friend of mine that I've toured with. It's a production manager, and he was actually Soundgarden's production manager uh, up until Chris died. Uh, oh, okay. He was, uh, his name's Steve. He's an awesome dude. And he was the second to last person to see him alive other than his security guard. Yeah. And um, so I was texting him uh, last week just saying, like, hey, man, I'm, you know, have a great time out in L.A. Like, I wish I could be out there. And um, and he's like, yeah, it's going to be great to see my old, you know, Soundgarden family again. And because, you know, that obviously after that happened, you know, mm-hmm. he I'm sure he's seen them from, from time to time through traveling. But uh, I, I'm anxious to talk to him about his perspective of the night, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Uh, well, everyone listening, go listen to Soundgarden. Go listen to Audio Slave. Go listen to Temple of the Dog. Go definitely go listen to Chris Cornell's solo records because those are kick ass. Um, and uh, and Danny, thank you so much for being a part of this. No, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time at the show. I had a great time talking about it. We'll have a great time listening to Chris's music from here on out. Absolutely, man. And uh, t- that's about it, everybody. I guess we should just sign off now, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do Clint's peace and I'll do my adios? Sure. All right, go for it. Peace. Adios. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.